salvation. It is selfish. From Always We Begin Again by John McQuiston II. Hey everybody, this is the House of Mercy podcast and uh, boy, uh, it's good to see you all. Debbie is uh, off celebrating the 4th of July um, with her mother and father, uh, Independence Day. Well, you know, uh, this um, Baptist pastor I worked with in Seattle, he always says, we don't celebrate Independence Day as Christians. We celebrate Interdependence Day. And I like that. So Interdependence Day. Kind of in that spirit, I did, I did uh, preach a uh, 4th of July Independence Day themed sermon, America sermon, America first sermon kind of. Shall be the last. I don't know. Um, hey, but we're so gra- glad to have you here. And we got one big announcement, and that big announcement is that next Sunday, 5 p.m., we resume meeting in person regularly from here until the eon's end. I don't really know how long an eon is, but I'm guessing, I'm thinking it was just like an eternal thing. But But we're not going to go that long. But anyway... For, you know, foreseeable future. But anyway, that's the, the point. It's not the longevity. The point is that we will begin meeting next week, 5 p.m. Uh, all the good things are going to be there. Um, the, the mercy machine, the music with the hymns and the, and the, and the preaching and the, the people, all the people and, uh, together and, uh, the mercy of God. It's just been building up inside that sanctuary. You're going to always open those doors and walk in and be, you know, wopped with a big load of mercy. Anyway, cannot wait to see you. And if you're not quite comfortable coming back, we get that. That's a fine, understandable. Um, yeah. So come on back. We are going to be wearing masks. Um, in our greetings and, uh, Wearing masks when we sing, for sure. If you have been vaccinated and you feel comfortable um, taking them off, sitting there, if that's more comfortable, you fine. What we're doing is we're having a, a semi-mask policy uh, out of respect for the children who have not yet been vaccinated. Certainly wear them when we're singing and when you're greeting one another. Um, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, well... This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. I invite you to join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, gather us under your wing. Never mind the eagle, we'd be happy for the hen, the unglorious mercy the broken love. Help us find hope in your ways. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.
Join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number five, Christ for President by Woody Guthrie. Join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray that there's still a chance the pandemic will spur peoples and nations to work together. Recognizing our prospects for well-being are inextricably connected. National boundaries mean little in the face of climate change. We pray that those tasked with overseeing the national interest will be wise, open-hearted, broad-minded, not concerned with assuring they have a place of high honor, but rather serving the common good. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, on this day, we are encouraged to celebrate our nation. We pray for a continued awakening 
to how some people have cause to celebrate much more than others. We pray for freedom for those who are bound by trauma suffered over generations, indigenous peoples forced off their lands whose cultures were decimated, African Americans brought to this country to create wealth for white people as their slaves. Help us recognize we are not all free, but we pray for freedom and justice for all. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, help us see ourselves clearly, that we are bones and blood and skin, beautiful in our way, but fairly limited, so that we don't seek glory when we could seek love, that we aren't tempted to lord anything over anyone, but rather know ourselves as broken, in need of mercy, and entirely embraced by your love. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for those who need healing, for those who are suffering from what can go wrong with a body or a mind or a family. We are all broken and we ask for healing. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we have not loved you with our whole hearts or our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us for what we have done and what we have left undone as we pause now for silent confession. You entirely forgive us all of our sin and embrace us as your beloveds. Thank you. Amen. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 29. 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Then Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for a rich, the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is, is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel, will fall, fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last, the last will be first. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. I don't care how hard it is for a rich man to enter heaven. I don't care. I don't care how hard it is for a rich man to enter heaven. Why did it never occur to me that that was an option, not to care? I never ask anyone. I never sat up at night wondering. You know, I wonder, I really, really wonder, how hard is it for a rich man to enter heaven? I mean, all these rich and powerful men, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be able to get into heaven? And if they can, how arduous will it be? There's one question I ask of you. Why did it never occur to me before, last night at 9.37 p.m., that I don't care how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, it is harder than a camel being pushed through the eye of a needle. I don't care. Well, it is harder than a marsupial recycling her shopping bag. Yeah, I don't care. Well, it it is harder for an even-toed ungulant to hold a fountain pen than for a rich man to enter heaven. Yeah, I don't care. And why should I? I think one thing we have all certainly learned over these last four or so years is that the rich man is going to be all right. The rich man is going to get into heaven. The rich man is going to get into office. The rich man is going to get into some trouble. But the rich man is going to get right out again and probably end up better off. The rich man is going to be all right. I'm not wondering how hard it is for the rich man. I don't need to wonder. He is going to tell me whether I want to know or not. Everybody is going to know how hard it is for the rich man, how hard the rich man has it. This is a very hard time for the rich man these days. At least that's what the rich man says. And he has said it so loudly. But say loud. Rich man, I do not wonder. Say aloud, I do not care. This question wasn't even on Jesus' agenda when Jesus was setting out his teaching points for that day. This was not on the lesson plan. Jesus and his disciples were walking down the road, and they were on their way to the next spot. The text says, 
As he was setting out on a journey, a rich man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Rich man, out of nowhere, with no regard for what Jesus and all the other people with him were in the middle of, runs up like a frat house golden retriever, skids to a stop in front of Jesus, dog slobber dripping on Jesus' sandaled feet, and blurts out, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you start by wiping your mouth and backing up. I'm talking to my disciples here. No, Jesus doesn't say that. But close. Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. But how about this? You know the commandments, right? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Rich man, frat boy, golden retriever interrupts Jesus and says, Yeah, yeah, I already do all that. I always have, since my youth, all through high school, college, law school, always. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, really? All the commandments, you just check off that box? You always follow the commandments all the time? Okay, then, why don't you... No, Jesus doesn't say that. The text says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. The rich man was so sad, because he really wasn't even asking a real question. He just stopped Jesus to have him tell him that he was the best, the best at commandments, and the best at inheriting eternal life. Because, you know, inheriting things is really one of the things he's best at. Jesus wasn't even the first Messiah he stopped on the street that day to have them tell him how great he was. But then Jesus gives him a real answer. Follow all the commandments. And rich man has. Has, uh, what, the strong sense of self? To say, yeah, I already do that. So Jesus says, sell all you have, give the money to the poor, and follow me. And if rich man would have done that, sold everything, gave the money to the poor, ran back to Jesus and said, okay, which way are we going? Jesus would have said something like, now hold all of the created universe in the palm of your hand. And then the text would say, When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had very tiny hands. Because the answer to what Jesus... Because the answer to what must I do to inherit eternal life is the impossible, you must do what you cannot do to inherit eternal life. Now, Peter and the disciples are standing there watching... The confused, sad man walk away. And then looking at each other. And then Peter looks at Jesus like, uh, um, hello, hey, Jesus. And Jesus looks back at Peter like, uh, yeah, what? And Peter says, well, if the rich man can't do it, he can't do anything to inherit eternal life. What chance do we have? If the rich man can't get saved, then who can get saved? Jesus looked at them and said, 
For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. You can't do anything to be saved. It is impossible. Peter is perplexed, dejected, bereft. What do you mean? Look, we left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold in this age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Well, what does that mean? What does all that mean? I think it means if you really did leave everything, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, positions of power, idolatry of your own will, promise to be better, um, to be good and all you, and all you want, and you want all of that back, then you can have all of that back a hundredfold. And I will throw in eternal life. But then you'll be the rich man. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. You see, when you give everything away, then you receive everything back a hundredfold, plus the assurance of your salvation. But once you get all that, you are the richest of all the rich. And I don't know if you've been listening. Once you are him, once you are the first, you will, it will, it will, will it be possible to do anything to inherit eternal life? No. You see, You see, you are the last then, and then you are the first, and then the first shall be last, and then the last shall be first, and so wait, wait. That is impossible. It is impossible, Peter interrupts, like the rich man. Yes, impossible, Jesus says. Now you've got it. Then what's the point, Peter asks? like a man with no bootstraps to pull himself up by, if you can't do anything to be saved. This story is not about whether it's harder to inherit heaven if you are rich than if you are poor. This story is not about finding the formula for salvation. Jesus makes it clear there is no formula for salvation. It's not that kind of a thing. The point is this. The point he is making to the disciples is this. Who told them they needed to be saved? Who introduced the question of the formula for salvation? The rich man did, not Jesus. The rich man ran up and asked the question. Then the disciples started asking the question. The rich man set the agenda and the disciples took up his agenda as if it were their own. As if what was most important for the rich man is what's most important to them. Just because the rich and powerful say it's important does not make it important. Peter asks, if the rich man can't be saved, then what hope is there for us? Peter and the disciples have taken up the problem of saving the rich man so they can have a chance at salvation. It's trickle-down salvation. And salvation? What are they hoping to be saved from? Want? Need, poverty, suffering, fear of the future, shame about the past, paying for their sins in their afterlife, and the lack of an afterlife, non-existence. 
Jesus's good news is not about a formula for salvation in this life and the next. It is about this one thing, the walking together in this moment. It is living out this commandment, love one another as God has loved you. Move through this world with one another, with gratitude and mercy and love. Do not let the powers that be set the agenda. Do not let the empire define what is important. Live this life and do whatever is done in a spirit of thanksgiving. Abandon attempts to achieve security. They're futile. Give up the search for wealth. It is demeaning. Quit the search for salvation. It is selfish. And come to comfortable rest in the certainty that those who participate in this life with a spirit of mercy and thanksgiving will receive its full promise. This is God's table, and all are welcome. On the night he suffered, Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 135, This Land is Your Land by Woody Guthrie.
This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, to the Redwood Forest, to the Gulf Stream waters, this land is made for me. the grace of God, and the love of Christ, and the peace of the Spirit go with you and be with you. Amen.